Well, this Sunday is Palm Sunday, and it kicks off what we as believers call Holy Week, which is the week leading up to Easter. All throughout Scripture, we saw that Jesus was very aware of the time and moments of his ministry, the rescue mission that God had sent him here on. I remember his first miracle when his mother said, hey, turn this water into wine. He said, woman, it's not my time yet. <laughs> you know, like He was very aware of the mission that he was on. And Palm Sunday is the kickoff of the executing of the mission for which he came. God so loved you and I that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The wages of sin is death. What you and I have earned because of our sin is death and separation from God. But he so loves us that he sent his son to pay that price in full. And Palm Sunday is Jesus turning towards Jerusalem and saying, the time is now. Holy Week is beginning. And over the next few days, the events that would unfold are what separate us from any other faith background that, that we might experience the power of the resurrection personally. That because he died for our sin and conquered the grave, we can have a relationship with God. And this week is one that as believers, it's our 2000th Holy Week as, as believers. It's my 42nd. Uh, I've grown up in the church. I've always known the story, could recite it when I was young. But even as I head towards this Easter, if I were to do an honest assessment of where my mind's at or where's my, where my heart's at, oftentimes it's, it's another weekend or it's a busy weekend or there's just a lot more logistics because all the family's going to come and we need 36 seats instead of nine seats. And what are we going to wear? Oh, we're all going to wear blue. We got to find 54 blue outfits for the family picture. You know, like just all of the details of the weekend that I can neglect the, the cultivating of my heart, like the tending of my soul. If I'm going to plant some good news within me that, that bears life, I've got to do some work of preparing my heart, of being engaged, of making sure I share this good work, this amazing thing that God has done. And so today we're going to look at this passage. It's called the triumphant entry. Uh, it's in all four gospels. It's one of the few stories that, that every gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tells about the account we're going to read is from Matthew chapter 21 verses one through 11. This is what it says. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Which side note, this is like such an interesting passage. Can you imagine if someone, you're, you're walking out leaving church today and someone hops in your Mercedes and you say, hey, what are you doing? And they say, hey, uh, Pastor Josh needs it <laughs> and we'll return it when he's finished. It's like, <laughs> that's just crazy. They go up get a donkey and colt that's not their own, said the Lord needs it, and people just let it go. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What I'd love to do today is to take this text, and I think in it we see three different behaviors or postures that we could take upon ourselves this week to help ensure we experience the most of Holy Week. Three different things that we can do, the first of which is to prepare. Prepare. Preparation is an indicator of expectation. If I was going to go to the beach, I would know, all right, I need a bathing suit. Even if I don't want to get in the water, there's a good chance I'm going to have to save a Walter's child at some point. So I want to have a bathing suit on. I want to have some flip-flops. I don't like it when sand gets in my tennis shoes on the beach. You got to just roll with some flip-flops. I'm going to need sunscreen. I haven't been out in a while. Some little pasty, right? You don't want to get fried the first day. It'd be miserable, right? You prepare for a moment you hope to experience. The degree of your preparation is largely the greatest driver in the quality of your experience. But preparation is always an act of faith. It's you spending time in the present for a moment in the future that you hope to experience. Katie and I have seven kids, the youngest of which is two. Her name's Adele. And um, we have a no child left behind policy at home and that you can go anywhere, anytime, Katie or I, but you're going to have to take a kid with you because there's too many for any one of us to manage with a happy heart, right? And so Anthem and Adele are usually the two on the draft docket because the other kids can kind of take care of themselves. And so anytime I'm running an errand, usually it's like I got to run to Lowe's because I'm doing a project and I I need a certain screw we don't have. It's going to be in and out. I'm not going to be there very long. But anytime you're going somewhere with a two-year-old, the question you always have to ask is, do I prepare a diaper bag? Right? Because you get in Lowe's to get your screws and you have a blowout, like an up to the neck blowout, you are screwed. You're not getting any tools or nothing. Like you're in trouble because there ain't a diaper in the building. You're going to leave wrapped up in paper towels, throw the outfit away. Like this is not going to work. Well, if I'm going to prepare a diaper bag, that means I got to run upstairs to get, get diapers. Like there's, there's never any downstairs when you need them. You got to grab the wipes, and if you're not paying attention, you accidentally get the Lysol wipes instead of the diaper wipes. That is a sanitized bottom. Like, you don't have to worry about anything happening there, right? But you want to take the time to prepare, even if it's going to be quick, right? So that you have everything that you need. Well, in this text, we see the people in verse 8, it says, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground while others cut branches from trees and spread them in the road. They were preparing for their coming savior, right? And if you I don't know if you've ever cut down a palm branch, but like, man, they're sharp. Usually you got to wear gloves. You need some kind of special tool. Like if it's a small palm, you can use those hand clippers, the big ones. You got the pole saw with the rope and you're yanking at that thing. Man, it's difficult to cut a palm branch. But in anticipation of their savior coming, they were preparing a red carpet of sorts to draw attention of the town, to make a statement of faith. Hosanna in the highest heaven. He's coming. Our Savior is coming. They're running, laying these these palms on the the ground, preparing for this moment. A palm was a symbol of victory, largely because they were so large. If you were waving a palm, it would get the attention of others. Preparing for this moment of his coming. I can't help but wonder, as we head in to Easter, what would it look like for you to prepare your heart as well? 
You know, one of the things that we're doing this year that's unique is that every day this week, we're sending out a Lent devotional. You can go to seacoast.org forward slash Holy Week and, and follow along with us each week to look at, man, what were the different events that took place each day? What would it look like? Maybe for your family, you say, okay, we are going to, um, we're going to read this every night at dinner. We'll read it together. Think about what Jesus experienced on this day. Maybe as you prepare, we asked each of our kids last week, largely because I was in message mode thinking about this, like, hey, why don't we fast something next week? Be thinking about something that you want to give up on Holy Week that maybe it's TV when you would normally sit down and chill and veg out for a little bit. You're like, all right, God, I'm going to give you a few extra moments just to pray into and think about what you did today. What would it look like for you to prepare your heart for your Savior's coming? That you might not just know the story and be able to tell of the facts, but that you might experience it once again for yourself, whether it's your first time or your 50th time, right? That it would be something that moves and grips and stirs your heart. For us to make the most of Holy Week, the first thing that we've got to do is prepare. The second thing is to engage. Matthew 21, verse 9, it said, the crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted. Everybody says shouted. Shouted. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Guys, when was the last time, or girls, you were watching a sporting event and screamed or shouted at the TV? <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> that was a crazy ending, right? Your team makes the catch, scores the touchdown at just the right moment. The guy makes the basket you didn't think they would make. And somehow, you might be sitting by yourself in your living room, hundreds of miles away, from where the game is actually taking place, right? And it feels as if somebody grabbed you by the shirt, pulled you up out of the chair, and you're like, yeah, you know, like all by yourself at home. Right? Nobody sees what's going on. But somehow you shout at things that you're connected to, things you, you care about. You're a fan. Maybe you're wearing the shirt. Maybe you've got the hat on. You're moved by it. And what stands out to me in this passage is two things, one of which is their words, and the second is their tone. By way of their words, they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That word Hosanna is interesting because it's mentioned six times in the entirety of the New Testament. All six times are in association with this story throughout one of the four gospels. And the word itself is made up of a transliteration of two different Hebrew words, the first of which is Asha, which means please save or save us, and the second of which is Anna, which means please. So, so put together, the word is, is please save us or deliver or please save us. So these were people who were very much aware of their need for a savior. They were the people of God. They were Jews. They were free to worship God and be who he had created them to be, but they were under Roman oppression. And so it's as if they were constantly reminded that you can be free and you can worship God, but you've got to keep it in a tight box. Don't cause any political unrest. Don't cause any religious upheaval, or we'll, we'll crucify some of your people just to remind you of who's in charge. They lived in this, this tension. And so when Jesus came, their deliverer, their savior, they thought that this was the, the beginning that they had been waiting for. Our Savior has come. With their words, they were very much aware of their need to be saved. Think about when would there be a time in your life where you would shout those words? Save me! Save me! 
It's like maybe a house fire. Fires at the door. You can't get out and save yourself. You throw the window up. You're screaming out to neighbors. Maybe a car accident and you're, you're pinning and you need help. Think about a couple years ago, we were out at the beach and Abel was out surfing with a buddy and we were talking with some friends and over the course of an hour or so, the tide had just carried him way down shore and we realized it. So we get up and start looking for him, walked as far as we thought he could have been both directions, didn't see him. We get back and we're panicked and man, we start screaming. We're running, help, help. When you realize that the nature and degree of your problem is something that you can't resolve yourself and there's desperation within you, you don't care how you look. You don't care how you sound. And they were very much aware of their need for a savior. Savior, save us, please save us. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were shouting, man, you don't casually shout. It comes from your gut, right? You, you don't make the choice to, to, to shout. It just comes out of you, right? I think about the crowd in this case. It says there was one crowd that ran ahead of Jesus. Their excitement dictated their pace. It's almost like if you see a soldier getting off an airplane, coming home from war, right? You don't see the moment where the wife and kid look at each other and say, should we run now? Like, should we run to him? You know, they just, they're so excited. They take off. And what was happening inside of them was determining the tone and words that were coming out of their mouth. It was driving the pace at which they engaged with the story. It's kind of like one of those phrases, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. <laughs> you see somebody that's not smiling at all, but they're like, I'm good. I'm happy. He's like, well, you don't look like it, right? When it comes to the Easter story, if we know the degree to which we've been saved, if we're desperate for our savior who came to save me, man, it's going to be evident in the, in the words that we speak. It's going to be evident in the tone and our voice. It's going to be evident in, in the pace and desperation with which we share that news with others. What would it look like for you to engage with Holy Week? For you to make some changes over the course of the week so it doesn't just pass you by. Right, that, that this day might serve as a line in the sand where you turn towards Easter, towards the price that Jesus paid, and that each day this week, you would allow God to, to turn up some of that soil of your heart, that that good news would be planted in you this year yet again, that on Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection, it would be all the more powerful because we've walked through the reality of death. We have Good Friday services at many of our campuses. Maybe you're going to put that on the calendar. Say, man, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to miss that. What I love about that service is that it's unlike any other Seacoast service. It, it feels heavy. We walk through the reality of the price that he paid so that as we gather on the weekend, man, we can celebrate his victory. Because he was victorious, we too can be victorious. So to experience the most of Holy Week, one, I've got to prepare Two, I've got to engage. And number three is to share. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Everybody say stirred. City was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. There's been a couple times at our house where, where I'll walk outside and, and I'll hear way off in the distance drums and kind of the roar of a crowd and there'll be a a Wando football game or some kind of local sporting event. And it's so loud that you can kind of feel the rumble or roar 
of music. Maybe you live on Daniel Island and you've heard a concert going on at the tennis center. Can't really make out what it is, but you hear the noise. And I see these people running through town, machetes, chopping at palm branches. People are like, what in the world are you doing? It's Jesus. Our Savior has come. He's here. One neighbor is going to tell another neighbor because they've all felt that, that sense of desperation, wanting and looking for a Savior, not believing. Could today be the day? One neighbor's running to tell another neighbor who's gone to tell another neighbor. People are running out asking, who is he? Who is this man? Right? It's Jesus of Nazareth. And what's so powerful about this day for us is, man, I look back on my story and I remember the day having known all the details that I entered into a relationship with God for myself, where I sensed him speaking to me. And man, Easter is a reminder for me every year of the price that he, he paid and the salvation that is mine. But the, the way to make it fresh, the way to make it new again, is to see someone that you love but doesn't have the same faith that you do encounter it for themselves. It's so important as we head to Easter that we remember he's placed you and I here as his ambassador, that we might go and tell others of the price that he paid, of the love that he has for them, of their ability to have a relationship with him. The good news of Easter is us going to share that news with others, that we experience it all over again for ourselves. Today, as you leave, each of you will get these Easter invite cards. It's got the website for all of our campuses for Easter times, and it's a, a reminder for you of where you can go to find service times and information. But it's an invite card more than anything for you to give to someone else. It says you're invited. Maybe for you this year, this week, you're going to start preparing by taking inventory of the people around you. What neighbor, what coworker, what college roommate or buddy doesn't have the life in Christ that you do, that this might be the year. Studies show that 82% of friends who were invited to come and attend an Easter service will say yes, will come on the arm of a trusted friend. Maybe you're going to be the one God uses this year as you invite a friend to come. For the last few months, Katie and I have been working to fill a container. We lead a nonprofit out of Togo, West Africa, and in February of 2020, purchased a large building that's going to house missions teams as we go over and serve as a school for students. And so we just finished all the renovations and we're filling up a container to furnish that, that facility. And as the time was getting closer, Katie was getting stressed, like, we just don't have the time to do this. We're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to have all that we need. She said, I'm going to call the women together. I was like, I don't know who the women are, but I like the sound of that. Like, let's get those women here, right? So my, my role, there would be eight to 10 women that would come over our house every Friday morning and, and I would provide coffee. I'd cook a little quiche that I bought. I didn't actually make it. You know what I'm saying? Warm it up, cut it up. Like, here you go. Bring it out. And I would watch their kids. Those are my, those are my responsibilities, right? So the ladies started to prepare. They came up with a plan. They said, hey, why don't each of us get on our neighborhood pages and your neighborhood can take plates and silverware for the kitchen. Your neighborhood can take sheets and bed linens, your neighborhood. And they just, they broke up the whole project. Well, this past Saturday was drop-off day. And we met at the container here at, at Mount Pleasant and Rob and Kinsey who are in this service were helping coordinate it and work the, work the spreadsheet. And when Katie got there, Kinsey ran down and she said, Charleston showed up today. I was like, man, I love the sound of that. We started seeing all the sheets and towels and silverware stuff that, that people had brought off and dropped off. I remember I borrowed Pastor Brian's truck to pick up a bunch of bigger items around town. 
And when I returned it to him, I was like, man, this neighbor right over here of yours, he gave us this amazing couch. Those neighbors gave us two couches. That neighbor, Brian said, man, I didn't even know my neighborhood was so generous. That's amazing, right? And I'm thinking all of the items that have been donated are going to a people that that none of these folks will likely ever meet. They're going to a place across the world that most of them will never go. And yet there was a willingness to engage with a plan, to hear the story and share of what they had. Church, can you imagine what would happen if we were a people who went out to share something with them that could forever change their life here and now? To share good news for them that would not just save them for today, but for eternity? This is for a person they can know. It's for a place that they will go. But we've got to be a people who who prepare, who prepare our hearts, who engage with the story and who are willing to share of what he's done in our life, of what he came to give to others that they might have it for themselves. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Holy Week. I'm thankful, God, for the rescue mission that you said yes to, for the price that you paid, not just to make us good people or better people, but to take us from death to life, that we might have new life, abundant life, eternal life in you. And I pray into this week, maybe more so than ever, that the events of Holy Week would become personal for each of us. God, that we might experience your power, that we might hear your voice. Pray for every person that's going to sign up for and receive the, the devotional each day this week as they carve out time with you, with their families. Might they hear your voice? Might they hear from you? as they start to pray for people that that they're going to invite next week. God, I pray for divine conversations at the mailbox, divine conversations in the hallway at work, that it would open the door for an invitation where someone's life would be forever changed. God, we invite you to be here now with us as we respond. Help us prepare. Help us engage. Give us a vision to share. In Jesus' name, amen.